Audacity version 2.1.0 has just been released, and I'm going to tell you what's new in this latest update. Welcome to the Audacity to Podcast, episode 216. Thank you for joining me for the Audacity to Podcast. I'm Daniel J. Lewis, and this is the award-winning how-to podcast about podcasting. It's where I give you the guts and teach you the tools to launch or improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. Thank you very much if you're checking me out after hearing me speak at WordCamp Dayton or Social Media Marketing World. I hope that you will find a lot of value here, and I seek to always give value to the starting or even currently podcasting podcaster out there. Audacity is one of those tools that we, I think, all at some point use because it's the free audio editor. And I do say the free audio editor because most of the time when people think about a free audio editor, there's probably nothing else that comes to mind other than Audacity. I think every podcaster gets their start on Audacity in some way or another. And it might have been when Audacity first came out or Later on, maybe they still use Audacity. I was using Audacity when I started podcasting and continued to use it for several years until I decided that it was time to move on to a more advanced workflow, and that's when I upgraded to Adobe Audition. And Audacity has had minor updates through the years, and version 2.1.0 brings new updates to it that I think are important enough to dedicate an entire episode of this podcast to tell you what is new, and in fact demonstrate one of the cool new features that has really been enhanced with version 2.1.0. You can follow along in the show notes for this episode at theaudacitytopodcast.com slash audacity210, and that'll take you to the show notes for episode 216, and I'll have links also to where you can download Audacity for Windows, OS X, Linux, and read the full release notes, including all their little caveats about known issues and such. But here are the things that are new with this latest version of Audacity. They've got several improvements separated into different categories, effects, interface, and operating system-specific enhancements, as well as a bunch of bug fixes for things. So first, under their improvements for effects, they said, now get ready, a lot of letters coming here, they said that LADSPA and VST and audio unit effects, which audio unit effects are only for OS X, now support real-time preview, save and load of user presets, and saving effects settings across sessions. Note, real-time preview does not yet support latency compensation. This is really cool because one of the things that has always bugged me about Audacity is that when I wanted to try out an effect on audio, I would have to select a portion, process it, and then check that effect or click the preview button. And there would sometimes be weird things going on. But this real-time option is really cool. It works to the point that you can be playing your audio, then go to the effects menu, and you will see the plugins that support real-time effects. They'll be the only ones that will be selectable. And remember, this is all while your audio is playing. You can then add an effect and start playing with its settings while your audio is playing. So this means you can go into, for example, a compressor 
And while your audio is playing, are you getting this? While your audio is playing, you can then start playing with the different settings on the compressor or maybe a equalization or something like that. So you're able to hear the adjustments in real time while your audio is playing. Maybe that should be the the title of this episode, while your audio is playing. This is really awesome. Now, not every single plugin supports this, and you'll see the list of the plugins that support it inside of Audacity when you are playing audio and you go to that effects menu. But there are a lot of the built-in plugins that do support this. Certainly if you're on OS X, all of the audio unit plugins do support this. And audio unit plugins are those ones that start with AU and they come on by default with OS X. This is really cool. And now that they have this working and they've said in their notes earlier that this was something that was really important to them, but they thought would be impossible to do. So special thanks to one of the other developers that figured out a way to do this. It's really cool. Next is VST effects now support import and export of FXB preset banks. Okay, maybe that matters to you, maybe not. But by the way, speaking of import and export of presets, that was the other thing that's cool that I kind of glossed over there for a moment about some of the other effects settings that they can now save the settings across sessions and have presets that you can load and save with your different settings. Now, this doesn't work with every effect that's in Audacity, but it does work with a lot of them. The LAD SPA and VST and the audio unit effects. Those are the ones that work with that. Also, another effect enhancement is shell VST effects that can host multiple plugins in a single shell, basically, that's why they call it that, is now supported. I've never run into this, but this sounds really fascinating because this could mean the possibility of putting together all of the effects you like to use, put into one single shell, and then run as a single effect on your audio in a different way of working with your audio than just with the chains. By the way, speaking of chains... Chains are like macros or presets that you can create for your audio that can be a selection of different effects or different things that you process on your audio. And now every effect that is in the effect menu, built-in or plug-in, can now be used in a chain. That's really cool. I like that. Previously, you were very limited in what effects, but now it's all of them. Also, items in the Effect, Generate, or Analyze menus can be sorted or grouped by name, publisher, or a class of effect. That's cool. Here's the other really cool one. Noise Removal is improved and renamed to Noise Reduction. I did some tests on this, and your results are going to vary because of the different noise environment that you might have, the different microphone you have, the different settings you use, your voice, how close you are to the microphone. So there are a lot of factors in this that will affect how this turns out for you. What I did is I tested this, and I'll play these results for you in just a moment, but my test scenario was I had a fan on the floor in my studio and the fan was on high, so I was creating noise in the background. Then I recorded some audio into my PR40, which connects to my mixer. I turned off my hardware compressor limiter gate, so all of the noise gets put into the recording. There's no compression done on the hardware side. And then it's going out to my Zoom H4n recorded. So this is as vanilla of a recording as I could get with the fan noise in the background. Then I took that audio into a phonic, and all I used a phonic for 
was to raise that audio to the standard volume level of negative 16 luffs stereo or negative 19 luffs mono. I didn't use noise and hum reduction or adaptive leveling or anything like that. This was only a volume boost to bring it up to a standard level. So I recommend that before you hear these three different audio samples I'm going to give you, one is the source, one is from Audacity 2.0.6, the previous version, and then the other is from 2.1.0. I recommend that you wear headphones when listening to this or have a really good pair of speakers. You're probably not going to hear the differences in your car or somewhere else, but I'll point out to you some of the differences that I notice. So here is the source audio that I used. This is a comparison between Audacity's old noise removal effect and its new noise reduction effect. Here are a few seconds of nothing but the noise. So you hear a constant fan noise in the background. You could get something similar to this, like with a low quality preamp or you're just in a noisy environment, whatever the case is. This was my simulating a noisy background with a fan. That was the source audio. No effects, no compression, nothing special done to this audio, only the volume level raised to negative 19 luffs mono. Now, this is the result that Audacity 2.0.6 gave me. You'll notice that during the points where I'm not talking, there's no audio whatsoever. So it did a good job of removing the noise where there is only noise. But pay careful attention to the background of when I am speaking, and you'll hear some of the fan noise still making its way into the recording. You'll also hear some of the noise removal effects that are typical with this kind of processing, where I sound a little bit underwater. The settings that I used for this were a noise reduction level of 24 decibels, a sensitivity of 10, and a frequency smoothing range of 0. Same effects that I use in just a moment in 2.1.0. So here is that sample from the previous version of Audacity. This is a comparison between Audacity's old noise removal effect and its new noise reduction effect. Here are a few seconds of nothing but the noise. And that's the end of the clip then. So it did a great job of removing the noise when it was just the noise, But you could hear some of the fan noise still in the background of when I was speaking, and you could also hear this kind of tin can or science fiction sound or something that just sounded like I was underwater or distorted slightly in some way. That was in the previous version of Audacity 2.0.6. Now here is the exact same sound clip processed with version 2.1.0. The noise removal, or it's now called noise reduction effect, works just slightly differently visually in this version, where instead of having the option to change the attack and release speed and selecting a specific kilohertz or hertz range of frequency smoothing, you don't have the option to change the attack and release speed, and the frequency smoothing range is just a straight number, not in hertz. But... I tried to make this as similar as possible between the two different versions. So in version 2.0.6 and 2.1.0, I set the decibel reduction of the noise to negative 24 dB. 
and I set the sensitivity on both versions to 10, and I set that frequency smoothing to zero on both versions. So this should be a good comparison, and what I want you to listen for in this is, again, the sound of the noise behind my voice while I'm speaking, and how is it then corrupting or adjusting the sound of my words while I'm speaking. So here is that sample from version 2.1.0. This is a comparison between Audacity's old noise removal effect and its new noise reduction effect. Here are a few seconds of nothing but the noise. And it was that nothing but the noise section that I used in order to create my noise profile when I ran the noise reduction effects. As you could probably tell, there was no fan noise at all in the background of my voice in the recording that was enhanced or modified by version 2.1.0. It did a much better job, in my opinion, of removing the fan noise. I think the artifacts of some of that tin can or underwater effect was still there, but that could be the result of how sensitive this was. But that is a result of how sensitive I had the effect when I ran this on my audio. So in Audacity 2.1.0, I could reduce that sensitivity and probably end up with something that sounds a lot better. So overall, this is a big improvement. Here it is again. This is the source audio. This is a comparison between Audacity's old noise removal effect and its new noise reduction effect. Here are a few seconds of nothing but the noise. Now here's version 2.0.6. This is a comparison between Audacity's old noise removal effect and its new noise reduction effect. Here are a few seconds of nothing but the noise. And here is version 2.1.0. This is a comparison between Audacity's old noise removal effect and its new noise reduction effect. Here are a few seconds of nothing but the noise. Those comparisons will be available in the show notes if you'd like to download them, my source audio and the two separate comparisons, and play with it yourself and discover what settings work best for you. I invite you to comment on the show notes and download that audio at theaudacitypodcast.com slash audacity210 for the show notes for episode 216. I still don't think Audacity's noise reduction, now that's what it's called, is the best option. I am continuously surprised at how good Aphonic is at removing noise. Aphonic recently did some amazing magic on some audio that I recorded for my Once Upon a Time podcast while I was in San Diego. I was superbly (laughs) impressed by how well Aphonic did. The point here is that Audacity is getting better. And I think that these samples show that it's already made a big improvement. If you can turn that sensitivity down, you might be able to reduce that sensitivity in Audacity 2.1.0 and come out with something that sounds great, has almost no noticeable noise, and perhaps no noticeable 
artifacts like that underwater sound. I think they did an amazing job with this in version 2.1.0. So if for no other reason, you'll probably want to upgrade for that if you record in any kind of noisy environments. But as I always recommend, remove the noise before you press record. Turn off your heaters, your fans, your air conditioners, close the windows, close the doors, get away from the computer, close programs on the computer that make it rev up and create a lot of fan noise, all of that kind of stuff. Do that as much as possible before you record so that way you don't have to try to remove the noise from your audio later. That's a big feature, I think, for version 2.1.0. Next in the improvements under effects, Change Speed has new time controls for current and new length. This is great because it allows you to change the speed then to a specific length of your audio. If you know you want your audio to be only a certain length, like maybe you're doing some kind of promo or something where the audio just absolutely must be a specific length, you can change that now instead of having to experiment with, okay, what does this factor do? What does this factor do? Does it make it long enough or short enough or anything like that? And you can now enter the speed change as a multiplier. For example, two is twice as fast. There's also a new crossfade tracks effect that can be used for crossfading between two tracks. This replaces crossfade in and crossfade out. This is great because a true crossfade should be a little bit different than a regular fade. The way that you'd have to do this before is where you select one track, the end of it, a portion of time where you want it to fade out, and then you choose cross fade out. Then you select that same portion of audio in the timeline with the overlapping other audio track, and then you choose cross fade in. It was a little bit cumbersome and annoying. Well, now what you do with version 2.1.0 is you select that portion of audio across both tracks. Then you go to the effects menu and choose cross fade tracks and it is in the lower half of the effects menu and then what it does is it automatically crossfades out the audio that is ending and crossfades in the audio that is beginning so it's much easier to make those crossfades these are still destructive crossfades so if you decide after saving your project or after doing a string of other processes and edits that you want to come back and change these crossfades you won't be able to. You'll either have to undo back to that point and then redo all the other things that you did or go back to your source audio and start over from scratch. But still, I think it's great that they now have this cross-fade tracks effect instead of the two separate effects before. And and the last effects improvement is that Nyquest Prompt and most shipped Nyquest effects now have a preview button. That's really handy especially for those effects that don't support the real-time processing, which would actually be all of the NyQuest effects. Next, improvements to the interface. There is a redesigned meter toolbar, actually input and output toolbars. The default shows separate record and playback meters, half height so they can be wider, wall docked, in gradient style. This is really nice in the way that they work these little meters now. I like them a lot more, and I think they're a lot more usable than the old monitor meters in previous versions of Audacity. What you do is when you start Audacity 2.1.0, you'll probably notice that the little meters or monitoring spots where you would see how loud you're talking while you're recording, that it now looks different. They're half the height that they used to be, and they're two separate toolbars, one for input, one for output, whereas before, 
it was a double height toolbar and it contained both input and output in the same toolbar. Just by the default view of these new meters, they're more helpful because instead of seeing just levels like negative 12, negative 24, and negative 48, the new design allows you to see just by default more iterations of your volume level. So you can see negative 6, negative 8, negative 10, negative 12, negative 16, and so on like that. That is just a minor default layout change. You could see that before if you expanded the size of the monitor meter before. But what's also really cool about this new one is that you can change the style of it. There is gradient style, which shows green bars up until you start getting near the peak level or clipping level, and then it starts getting yellow, then orange, then red if you are clipping. That's really nice. Previously, you only had this RMS style that was a little bit odd to read and odd to understand because it had two different shades of color for it. It was one way of looking at it is it was kind of giving you a more average level instead of the at the moment dynamic level of your audio. But I like these new meter toolbars and right from the interface on the toolbar, you click on the input meter and it will start monitoring your input volume. So you don't have to press record in order to see that you're getting volume from your microphone. You can now just click on that meter and you start seeing that meter. It's really handy and you can also change some of the settings. You can change it back to RMS if you really like. You can also change it back to just a a basic integer degree of your audio level. So you see if you're at 0.1, 0.5, 0.6, 0.7 or 1.0 at the full maximum. I don't know why you'd want to do that, but it could be the different way of thinking that you're used to. Some other interface things that may or may not affect you, but I want to be thorough here in telling you what's new. A frequency selection can now be made and spectral edit effects applied to those frequencies when in spectrogram view. You can also create or adjust frequency selections in a new spectral selection toolbar available at view and toolbars. This is handy if you're working in the spectrogram view of your audio, which is very different from the traditional waveform that we're used to. The spectrogram shows you, in a way, more dimension of your audio, so you see more of what's going on and can sometimes edit it better and clean it up better by looking at it in a different way. Next, transcription toolbar, or the play at speed, that's where you could change the playback speed and press play on there and then hear your audio back at double speed or 1.5x or anything like that, can now loop play and cut preview. That's really handy if there's a spot that you keep needing to edit, or this can just enhance your editing workflow if you use that transcription toolbar or you play your audio at a faster pace while you're editing your audio. Timer Record now saves recordings automatically into an existing project. That's handy. And if you need it, New Armenian Translation. Okay, I'm sure all of the Armenians will be excited about that. The next category of improvements is Operating System and Sound Device Support. This will get technical for a minute. Please bear with me. Audacity 2.1.0 requires Windows XP Service Pack 3 32-bit or XP Service Pack 2 for 64-bit. Vista, Windows 7, Windows 8, or 8.1. Those are for the Windows version. Also for the Windows version of Audacity, Audacity is now compiled using Visual Studio 
2013. So I would expect a little bit more stability, maybe a little bit faster processing with it. In either case, it's a good thing when you're compiling it with newer software. Also for Windows, recording with the WASAPI host now includes experimental support for physical inputs up to 24-bit depth as well as loopback recording. Wasapi is kind of a way of interfacing with certain sound devices. So what this seems to be saying is that it now provides this experimental support for using these Wasapi sound devices that have physical inputs on them for up to 24-bit recording. Typically, we're recording at 16-bit audio, so 24-bit is a bit deeper, has a bit more range to it, but it's not what you would actually want to publish because these make really big files when you're recording in 24-bit. And for OS X, you'll be really happy to hear this, OS X version 10.10, or Yosemite, is now supported, including Apple audio units. And if you run into any problems with either the Wasapi recording or playback or Yosemite compatibility, then they do provide a feedback email address where they like you to let them know what kind of problems you're running into. On the Linux side, oh boy, this one's technical. Under Unity, keyboard shortcuts are not visible in the Audacity menus. Keyboard shortcuts are visible if you install the classic Genome flashback interface or under Unity if you open Audacity with the Ubuntu underscore menu proxy equals zero environment variable. Audacity compiled from source will ship with src slash audacity desktop dot in set to Ubuntu underscore menu proxy equals zero, but it will remain up to distributions to use this desktop file. So if you're on Linux, you know probably exactly what that's about. There are a number of bug fixes as well regarding certain things like keyboard shortcuts when you are working with a label track or the spectrogram view, certain crashes that have been fixed on vertical scaling and selections that weren't restored after you undid something that were selected in a certain way. And there were some rare cases where an undo would just not undo anything due to certain ways that you interacted with a clip boundary and it's kind of really weird very fringe stuff there were also some fixes to some buffering things for os 10 some crashes when using external programs and some corruptions in device names if you were using a language other than english and several other fixes with different things as well as with linux you can check the list I have in the show notes at theaudacitypodcast.com slash audacity210. And I also have the link to the full release notes with all of those caveats and known issues. There are still a lot of accessibility issues with Audacity, but it would be great if you have any kind of accessibility experience. If you could help them develop this and make Audacity even more accessible so that Audacity could come to the point that it would be the most accessible audio editor so anyone with any kind of impairments would be able to edit their podcast with audacity that would be great if we could get to that point someday so this is what is new in audacity 2.1.0 i definitely recommend that you upgrade i especially recommend that you upgrade if you're on mac os 10 version 10.10 or yosemite because this version is officially fully supportive of Yosemite. So definitely upgrade there. 
I'd love to hear from you what kind of results you get with your noise reduction effect as well if you use that in your recordings. And have you noticed any kind of differences between version 2.0.6 and version 2.1.0? And you can download my source test files if you'd like to try some different things on my exact same audio and share them back in the comments for episode 216 at the slash audacity210. Audacity's 15th birthday is coming up. May 28th, 2000 is when it's documented that Audacity version 0.8 was first released. And I have a cool thing to share with you. I will be interviewing one of the co-founders of Audacity, and I would love to know what questions you would want me to ask the co-founder or lead developer of Audacity. So send those to me, please. The contact information is on the website at theaudacitypodcast.com. I'd love to incorporate your questions into my interview with one of the co-founders. And that episode would release really close to March 28th so that we can all together celebrate the 15th birthday of Audacity. And it would be a wonderful celebration because I think Audacity has done a lot of great things for podcasters. I've got two announcements for you. One is that Social Media Marketing World and WordCamp Dayton were a lot of fun. At WordCamp Dayton, I presented how to podcast with WordPress. It was a lot of how-to information for WordPress users, like how to set up your podcast on WordPress.com or how to set it up if you're self-hosting WordPress. I covered a lot of the technical things so that they wouldn't have to ask the technical questions, but they would have that information and then they could focus on the message of their podcast. I love how Paul Colligan points out that podcasting is not about the tech, it's about the message. And speaking of Paul Colligan, I got to meet him at Social Media Marketing World and I had a lot of fun there and it was a great opportunity to go and speak and a great honor to speak. This is a conference put on by Mike Stelzner's Social Media Examiner and I presented how to make your podcast stand out. I'll give you the spoiler. It takes more hard work. That's how you make your podcast stand out. But I gave a lot of very specific and practical tips and tricks for how podcasters could make their shows stand out, whether they're just starting or whether they've been doing this for years. I may at some point release that as something that you can download separately and watch or listen to. But I now think that Social Media Marketing World is probably my favorite conference. It is a lot of high-level executives, and social media professionals, so it won't quite have the community feel of something like New Media Expo or Podcast Movement. But Social Media Marketing World for me is now one of the conferences I want to attend on a regular basis, in addition to Podcast Movement and New Media Expo. I also got to go to Podcast San Diego, which was a lot of fun, and got to meet people like Kate Erickson, who works with John Lee Dumas. John Lee Dumas was, of course, there as well and Esprit Devora and several other local podcasters in the San Diego and Los Angeles area talking about some really cool podcasting things. And in fact, there were others that were from other areas presenting some great information. There is also a podcast meetup and single day conference that will be happening in Chicago. It's at podcastmidwest.com. And I will probably go to that one as well. And I will be speaking at New Media Expo in just a couple weeks. If you haven't purchased your ticket yet, go to theaudacitypodcast.com slash NMX and use the promo code DLEWIS20 to save $100 off your ticket. 
and I'd love to see you there. I'll be hosting a meetup probably the morning after the conference is over and go out for breakfast or brunch and have a great time meeting some people who will be there and friends. And I'd love to see you there. So go to the audacitypodcast.com slash NMX. I've got all of these links in details in the show notes for this episode number 216 at the audacitypodcast.com slash audacity 210. If you enjoy the Audacity Podcast, I would really love it if you would leave a rating and written review in iTunes or Stitcher. You can go to the audacitypodcast.com slash iTunes or slash Stitcher to get there and write your review. If you'd like to get your own podcast reviews emailed to you automatically from iTunes and Stitcher from all across the world, then go to mypodcastreviews.com and sign up for one of the premium plans and get those reviews so that you can learn more to grow your podcast and find more success. Now that I've given you some of the guts and taught you some of the tools, it's time for you to go launch or improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. I'm Daniel J. Lewis from the audacitypodcast.com. Thank you for listening. The Audacity to Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. The Audacity to Podcast is also a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Find more at techpodcasts.com.